See, the thing is, is that if God gives grace enough for you to be, to escape destruction, you ought not be walking, looking back, trying to see what it used to be like. Because your eyes ought to be focused on him. And how do I become a part of that which God has established in me? And that focus shows itself in many ways. Obedience, faith, and most importantly, love. Senior Pastor George Martin delivers part three of his series. Today he discusses being identifiably distinctive. We start in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 19. So we're picking up where we left off last week, where we were sharing the five, we're, we're sharing the five purposes of the church. And last week we looked at worship and ministry. We understood those to be uh, worship is our loving God with all of our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. And ministry is our loving others, which because Jesus said that the first and greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart and that the second was like the first. And so we understand through that, that, that Jesus was helping us to see that the first and the second are synonymous. Now, the background here is this is actually the final scene that Jesus had with his disciples before they watched him ascend back to heaven. Mark actually records the ascension, but Matthew does not feel the need to point that out. He simply speaks of what Jesus gave them because he understood that Jesus's last words were significant. Now, growing up uh, in Indianapolis, News 8, CBS News 8 was my mom's favorite station for the news. And the primary anchor there was a man by the name of Mike Ahern. Mike Ahern had, had, had done some great things in his time. He had broken down many barriers, but he'd also accomplished things that had not been accomplished before. And Mike actually was the youngest anchor that they'd had, as, as well as he had served for 38 years in that role. Now, when Mike was beginning his process of retirement, for months they talked about what would Mike say in his last broadcast. Because Mike had made it a, uh, a practice of his that he would close every newscast each night with some statement or some fact or lift up some story. So there was, there was a buzz for months, what will Mike say? And so prior to Mike's last broadcast, there was an interview with him and they were inquiring, Mike, have you decided on what you will say in that last broadcast? And here's what Mike Ahern said. Mike said that, he says, the thing about this last broadcast, although I've accomplished so many things over the years, that people are more likely to remember the last thing I say as much or more than some of the other things I've said over the years. And I want to point out something that Mike is saying. He says that the last words that you say can have a great and lasting impact, which is why I believe that Matthew ended it right there with the Jesus' last words, his last instructions he gave, he gave them this commissioning, which we call the Great Commission. Now, in this great commission to his disciples, Jesus commanded them to baptize all those who would believe in him upon their sharing of their testimony. 
This is what we call Christian baptism. It's one of the two ordinances of the church. Now, the reality of these two ordinances is that one represents identification that we identify with the body of Christ, which is baptism. And the other ordinance is an outflowing of having already now identified and become a part of and now acting out or living out that faith because that is communion. We participate in communion because Jesus says, do this that you don't forget me, that you always remember me and what I've done. So we see here in this particular case where Jesus says, go ye therefore, make disciples, baptize them that they would be identifiable. Now, this act of obedience signifies that a person has, that is not ashamed to make it known that they are identifiably distinctive as one of those who have heard the gospel message, by faith believed and received that message, accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior, and they're now committed to dwell in fellowship with other believers while they live out that faith. Uh-huh. Baptism. So this week, as we've looked at our focus last week on ministry and on worship, we're going to look at how the church affords born-again believers the opportunity to exist and or to live out their faith in fellowship with God and with the other followers of Christ. Because we're trying to make, we're making the case throughout this month that the church is definitively essential. Because there were those that say, hey, I have my faith. I have my faith, I believe. But I don't really need to be engaged with a church. Because me and Jesus, we've got our thing. But Jesus, remember last week, the question was, Jesus, what's the first commandment when it comes to God? He says, okay, love God with all your heart, vertical, and then he said, and horizontal. Wait a minute, hold on now, because I love Jesus, but I don't want to deal with his people. But Jesus says, you can't deal with me unless you deal with my people. Thus, we have the church. Here's another. So, so, so as we look at it, we're looking at I want to remind you again, because I'm rehearsing these back into your hearing, because I want these to get settled in your heart. The five purposes of the church. Worship, fellowship, evangelism, discipleship, ministry. Get those in your heart. Today, we focus on fellowship. Now, the Great Commission is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go ye therefore... Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things which I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the earth. We're not going to deal with verse 20 as much because the teaching part we're going to deal with when we talk about discipleship. But today we want to focus on identification, baptism. Now, here's the thing. When you, when you look at the definition of commission, you begin to see 
this whole picture that Jesus is painting in his, in his final words that are a lasting and a sustainable gifting. Here's what the definition of a commission is. An authorization to perform certain duties or tasks. Military folks know that you don't, you don't go somewhere unless you get your commission. You got to be commissioned to go do these things. Get your papers. So he says, commission is an authorization to perform certain duties. Here's another one. It is the authority to act on another's behalf. Last part of the definition, a group of people chosen to perform specific duties. Notice it didn't say a person sent out on their own to do their own thing in the name of Jesus. The commission says that there has to be a group of people that I've been fellowship with. So this commissioning that Jesus was given based upon the definition we just shared with you. This is why Jesus said in verse 18, all authority has been given to me because he was getting ready to give them authority to go do what he was assigning them to do. I have the authority to authorize you to go in my name. The great commission. The great sending out. But right in the middle of that, right in the heart of that, he says, baptizing them. Identification. Because fellowship means that we identify with the body of Christ. Baptizing them says, I'm one. Here's something that's key, and I want you to make note of this. We are not simply called to believe, we're called to belong. We're not only called to believe, we're called to belong. Which is why Jesus says, baptize them. Make sure it's known that these are those that are the church are the set-apart ones, and we're on one side of baptism, we're far from him, on the other side, we've been brought near to him. And we identify ourselves as one of those, public and definitively, we speak, which guides us to our first point for the day. Fellowship brings new identity. See, if the church exists to create fellowship amongst believers because new believers, born-again believers, now have a new identification. We, as I said last week, I encourage you, I admonish you, I, I'm, I'm stopping short of rebuking you from, from going around and saying, all of us are God's children. Because the reality is all of humanity is a part of God's creation, but only born-again believers are children. I need to prove that to you because you may be bent out of shape over there because you just said it last week to your friend, your girlfriend on the phone. Girl, you know we all, the same one you've been witnessing to trying to get saved. You just told, we all God's children. 
Let's turn, if you would, real quick. First John chapter, one, four, chapter 3. We just want verses 1 and 2. First John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Because here John says something that I need you to see for yourself so that you can be convinced that you can join in with me and then you can begin to work that out of your system. Get one out of your system right now. Just say it out of, get it out. Oh, we all got you. <sighs> so you don't have any more left. Because here's what John says in the first verse of the third chapter of 1 John. He says, behold, what? manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Wait a minute. That bestowing is to set upon. It is a privileging love. He says, what kind of love has God the Father bestowed on us that we should be called children of God? He said, it's honorary. This, this is not, you don't just throw this around. You got to earn this thing. that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world, the rest of creation, does not know us. How can we all be children of God when you don't know who I am? You don't fully know me. I'm a child of the king. Yeah, I grew up in Brick City in Indianapolis. Oh, boy, Brick City was a hot mess. They called it Brick City for a reason. There was much, wasn't much grass. Asphalt and bricks. <laughs> but they didn't know, Sister Karen. They didn't know they had some king's children over in there. They didn't know why we were going ahead and out every Sunday morning, Wednesday nights. They didn't know why we were doing that because we were king's children. We were children of God. But here's the next one, verse 2. You don't want to miss this one. But love. Oh, wait a minute. I don't want to miss that last part of the verse. They don't know us. Why? Because they don't know him. Yeah, they know you. They know your story. They know all these things about you. But we're not talking about earthly things. We're talking about spiritual things. It says they don't know us fully because they don't know him. Verse 2, here it is. Beloved, now are we children of God. Having come into the knowledge of Christ, accepted him as Lord and as Savior, embraced him in our hearts, received his spirit, now we are children of God. And here's the beauty that we have in expectation. And yet has not been revealed what we shall be. We have an understanding of who we are in Christ right now. But John said, there's some stuff God going to reveal when we get to heaven that it has not been revealed. Yeah. What a time will it be? I know we got all these little ideas of what it's going to be like. When I get to heaven, I'm going to sing and shout. Nobody there to turn me out. <laughs> well, ain't nobody in there trying to turn you out because all those in there are supposed to be there. It's a good song, though. It's a nice line. I, I'm, not, I'm not condemning. I'm just saying. <laughs> but watch this now. In this earth, we prize gold. Amen? Anybody with gold, any gold on? 
Okay? Don't be ashamed. We know you balling. You don't want nobody to know, yeah, I got, a, I got some gold rings. But watch this now. I said, anybody got gold? It's like one hand went up. I know there's more gold in this group. You may not have it on, but you have it somewhere, right? So, and maybe, okay, I was specific about, do you have it on now? You, you, left it, you left it at home. I got it. But watch this. We value gold in this earth. We wear it in earrings and necklaces and rings. So when John says it hasn't been revealed, because the descriptors we have of heaven, they make streets out of gold. Now, now help me now, help me now, because we all drove here on either an asphalt or a concrete road. But there's no one here that has any concrete or asphalt jewelry. Because it's not that significant. It just serves a purpose. God says in the kingdom that I, that I prepared, the new Jerusalem I prepared for my children, the street gold just serves a purpose. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But he says, but when we see him, we will know him because we will be like him. What does that mean? Oh, we'll know one day. By and by, amen? Yeah. With that said, there's another thing here because when we go back, we find that this identification that we have in Christ is not just in baptism, it's in our understanding of who we are when we exhibit ourselves through baptism. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 you don't have to turn there because I'm going to move into something else, but I just want you to hear this. They're going to project it up. But it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life, see how this identity changed? And the life which I now live because the life I used to live, I used to live it on my own terms, doing my own thing. When I get ready, how I want to do it. But in this new life, the life that I now live, having accepted Christ, been baptized, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So here's the thing. You know, I'm a visual person, and I've invited several people to help me with this sermon. So you all can make your way to the stage. Keep your mask on. We want to make sure you keep you safe. Because what I want to demonstrate for you is how we have a new identity in Christ. And so ultimately, when we understand fellowship that this church affords believers the opportunity to live in fellowship with God and with others. Okay, so I've got two groups. If you are the group that I gave orange to, if you would stand on this X here. And the group that I gave blue, if you would come and stand over here. Orange, blue. 
okay? As best you can, just distance yourself. Don't touch. Keep your mask up. All right, so, so we have two groups of people. This group represents the world and those who are simply a part of God's creation. I say simply because I don't want you to, 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 to feel that I'm just diminishing that person's value because the Bible says humanity was made in God's image. So we don't want to miss that part. But I'm making the distinction because we're talking about being definitively distinctive. So this group represents those who have not accepted Christ or those who are not in fellowship with, with God through Christ. This group represents the church, those who have accepted Jesus Christ and embraced him and are living in fellowship with one another. So now, here's how this works. What Jesus intended was, when we, we are those who bear the gospel. I hope this is large enough. I tried to get the print as big as we could. On just to, I didn't want to have a big sign but hopefully this is enough. Can you all see that? Okay. This is the gospel message, the good news of who Jesus is. And we have been compelled through our commissioning to share this gospel. So here's how this works. We share this gospel to whomever we come in contact with. We're willing to share it because part of our mission is to make God known. Now, when we, as we share this gospel, there will be someone who will receive the gospel. Having received the gospel, she is being called out. You hold it. You have it. It's yours. You got the gospel now. <laughs> Except Jesus Christ, she gets baptized. Now she is being brought into, come up with me. and stand with this group. Now, here's the thing. Because the church exists to create an opportunity for born-again believers to be in fellowship, the church now come around and circle around her. The church comes around and give her, gives her a place for this new identity that she has. And now, not only does she have the gospel, but she has fellowship with Jesus Christ through his church. So I was in this group. All of us are born here, but it's through our rebirth that we get here. And having come here, we should exist here in fellowship with Christ. Bless you guys. Thank you all. Excellent. Thank you. You can keep the colors. You can have those. Because ultimately... Ultimately, having been brought out of darkness into light, we now have fellowship in Christ, which points us to our second point for the day. Fellowship brings new community. Because as you note, we exist in this community by birth, by our natural birth. We exist in this community 
through our spiritual or supernatural birth or our rebirth, which is why we refer to ourselves as being born again. You're born into both groups, but not everyone finds himself in the other group, except through faith in Christ Jesus. But now having found myself in the new group, point two, now fellowship brings me new community, which is why it's so vitally important for us to love on each other and to identify because if I am walking in this new relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what's going to happen? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to struggle with trying to figure out what, where's my community. Because, see, my old community was to drop it like it's hot and lay it down like it's warm and then pick it up and slap it like it stank. That was my first group. Oh, somebody said, oh, Lord, fool. Now, you know that was your description? You know you was all out there. You was all, it was all your, it was all, it was all, ooh, ooh, ooh. But for the grace of God. But for the grace of God, I'm in that group. But that's the group that I come out of. That's why he says the ecclesia, because we're being called out of and then being brought into. But it's our responsibility to make sure that the new believer has a community to be a part of. We see this in Acts chapter 2, when the church is budding and, and, and Pentecost has happened and the believers are now, they're accepting Jesus Christ and now they're finding themselves in community. Here's what it says in, in Acts chapter 4, verses 41 through 44. Here's what it says. Then those that who gladly received his word were baptized. There it is again, identifying themselves. Were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Notice it says, added to them. Do you understand that the community must receive the addition. The community, it can't be a little group. We don't want no new person. We don't want no new people in because, you know, we know each other. And so they, we don't know who they are. Well, that's, that, and they don't know who they are either because they're coming out of, out of darkness into light. They're coming into this knowledge of who Christ is. They're growing in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. And we're better to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ but among those who've grown in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. Okay, so they gladly received him. And they continued steadfast, verse 42, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, community, because it's described what this fellowship was. In breaking bread and in prayer, verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wandered, wanders and signs were done through the apostles. And verse 44, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Because, see, there are those of us who exist, and we have our church friends and our non 
church crew. See, the thing is that we shouldn't have a desire. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't leave this group looking back. Let me show you. Uh, there's a revelation all the way back in Noah. God, uh, uh, I'm not, 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 Lot, Lot and his wife, Lot, they're, they're all, they're down in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. God said, listen, I'm getting ready to destroy that. That's the way, that's the way to death. And they say, okay, God, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to bring you out. And so Lot is running. He got, he got his wife and his daughters. He tried to get out of there. And the wife is like, boy, didn't we have some good time? Back there, boy, that, that Sodom and Gomorrah, man, that place was jumping. See, the thing is, is that the re revelation we see there is that if God gives grace enough for you to, be, to escape destruction, you ought not be walking, looking back, trying to see what it used to be like. Because your eyes ought to be focused on him. And how do I become a part of that which God has established in me? So let me show you a couple of definitions or share with you a couple of definitions of fellowship so you understand. Here's one. Fellowship is friendly association, especially with people who share the same interests. Our interest is Christ. Our interest is pursuit of holiness in Christ. So fellowship is our friendly association. We're there together. We ain't there bumping and pushing each other, rolling eyes at each other, walking past without speaking to each other. We're there, friendly association. Here's another definition. Mutual association of persons on equal or friendly terms. A group of companions who are in partnership are mutually sharing. See, the church exists that that may be evident to others who are looking on and say, hmm, wouldn't it be great to be a part of a community like that? Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm almost done. Don't get weary and well-doing. Here's verse chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. He says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We said this a couple weeks ago that being in the household means closeness. See, when you, take, when you, when you fill out the census data information, when you fill that out and they ask who's in the house, they don't want to know about mom and them and, you know, your cousin and them and Uncle Buck, they don't want to know about them. They want to know about those people who live in close proximity. Yeah, you're close to them. You're close to them. You're close to Mama and, and, and Uncle Buck, but, you, but, but, but you, you, the, the, the people who exist in close proximity with you. He says, that's, that's, we're no longer strangers and foreigners. We're existing in fellowship with the saints 
as being the household of God, which points us to our last and final point for the day. Fellowship brings a new way of doing life. Fellowship brings a new way of doing life, which is where we get our title for today, that we are identifiably distinctive. Each Sunday we read about, uh, we read as our, as our uh, sermon for our congregation that we are to love, the, the commandment Jesus gave, gave, we love one another. And by this, all men would know that we are disciples, that we are followers of him, we have love for one another. That distinction, it should be evident. Another passage of scripture as I close, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Write this down. To save time, I'm going to go ahead and read this for you. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Here's what it says. And we're talking about being distinctive, identifiably distinctive. Is what should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. And the King James says, God forbid. How should we who are dead in sin to sin live any longer in it? See, we have to move away from giving disclaimers. Well, you know when you disclaim things, you, that means you ain't going to do, do, do no better. You'd let everybody know God ain't through working on me because you know you're going to cuss him out. So you just want to let them know, remember I told you, God wasn't through working on me. The problem is construction sites evolve. Your construction site shouldn't still look the same as it did 30 years ago when you got born again. When you can't, it, should, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be the same disarray as it was 30 years ago. <laughs> there ought to be some foundation laid, some growth happening, some cleanup has happened. But when we disclaim it, we're we, we trying we, we try to stay in it. He said, but God forbid you stay where you were. Verse 3, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? He's talking about dying the old way and becoming alive to the new ways. We said, I've been crucified earlier with Christ. Look at this last one, verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with Christ through baptism. When you got baptized, the reason they had you to cross your hands across your chest and lay back because you were symbolizing I've died to that old way of doing things and I'm resurrected to this new life in Christ Jesus. That's in this text. Keep reading. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a new life. See, new identity, new community, a new way of doing things, a new way of doing life. Let me say this. The Holy, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, he takes our personality and works in us to produce the character of Christ. So we're all, we got different personalities. We're all different. You, get, you, get, you got your own personality traits. I got mine. But the Holy Spirit in us is working to bring forth the Christ character that is loving, 
And watch this, that it's also exhibiting fruit like joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, patience, self-control. Because here's the thing. When Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 5, when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, what he was symbolizing there was that the fruit that we just read, the fruit of the Spirit that's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21 and 22, the fruit of the Spirit, he said that those fruit might hang on us. See, we, he's the vine, we're the branches, but the branches ought to have fruit hanging on them. And the fruit are listed in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there's no law. He said, things that, the kind of fruit you're supposed to produce, there's no law against it. Ain't nothing holding you back for exhibiting these laws. With, in light of this, watch this now. Fellowship should be understood in these terms. That the branches exist in fellowship with Jesus the vine as the source, but then coexist in fellowship with the rest of the branches to produce fruit, which is why we have fellowship one with another. My final note for the day. The Christian life is Christ living his life in each one of us, living through each born-again believer. The life of Christ is reproduced in each child of God by the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Therefore, it is this new life with new relationships that is produced. And it is in this new life with this new source being Jesus that we then live out Christ. That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.